Well, today is October 1st, and you're listening to Born on This Day podcast. Well, before we wish anybody a happy birthday, I need to tell everybody that it is National Homemade Cookie Day. Oh, I love cookies. And you know who I'd really love to give a homemade cookie to? Who? My niece. Miss Mia Dalgaris. She's my niece too. And she is celebrating her birthday today. Happy birthday, Mia. So let's talk about National Cookie Day. With the average person consuming almost 19,000 cookies in a lifetime, I've probably done more. It is no surprise that we have to celebrate cookies, especially homemade cookies. So every year on October 1st, bakers, homemakers, and cookie enthusiasts alike preheat their ovens to serve up these delicious treats. Who's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite cookie, Amanda? I'll never say no to a chocolate chip. Uh, there you go. How about you? Um, I like oatmeal. Okay. I also like Italian cookies that are a little bit more boring, but they go great with coffee. Our joke is that uh, those cookies are good with coffee. Yep. So anytime a cookie's not too sweet, I'll say, well... It's good with coffee. There you go. Well, people born today on October 1st have a bold and uncompromising spirit and an ability to come back from hard times. Mm -hmm. They enjoy being in the spotlight, but have too much grace to appear egotistical or vain. October 1st folks understand the need to build their future on past successes. Hard workers, those October 1st babies. They certainly are. Mm -hmm. I should mention that I'm Marco Timpano. I don't think we mentioned our names. I should mention. We're just we're just known as Mia, Zia, and Zio today. That's right. uh, but I am, uh, you're Zio Marco, I'm Zia Amanda, and I'm Amanda Barker for those who didn't catch it. Hey, Journey Smollett began appearing on television when she was just six years old on Hanging with Mr. Cooper and episodes of Full House before wowing critics with her performance in Cassie Lemon's unsung masterpiece, Eve's By You. She followed that with a season or two on Cosby, a few seasons on Friday Night Lights, and the film's One Last Thing and Tyler Perry's Temptation. She is currently on Lovecraft Country, and she is the sister of controversial Empire star Jussie Smollett. You remember that? Yes, I do. Well, she was born on this day in New York City in 1986. Brie Larson had early roles in 13 Going on 30 and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World before gaining notice as older sister Kate on the United States of Tara or Tara. Moving into films, she found critical success with The Spectacular Now and Short Term 12 before her performance in the adaptation of Emma Donah- Donahue's Room. Did I get that right? You did. Yeah. yeah, it's a great book and an even better movie, I think. Oh, really? You think the, the movie's better than the book? Mm, they're pretty comparable. Wow. I loved the book, but the movie's good, too. Well, that earned her an Oscar for Best Actress. She then uh, has appeared in King Kong Skull Island, or King or Kong Skull yeah, Island. Yeah, there's no King, just Kong. Kong Skull Island, and Capt- and as Captain Marvel and Captain Marvel, and has directed the film Unicorn Store. Unicorn she- Store, which she was also in. It's a really weird little quirky. Well, have you seen it? Yeah. I didn't see it. Was it good? I think I watched it on the plane. Uh, I think you were asleep. Yep. Well, she was born on this day in Sacramento, California, 1989. And she's fantastic. I really like her. Yeah, she's Did, really wonderful. And we, we love her wasn't as she the, uh, Captain Marvel. Wasn't she the actress who was who had to present the Oscar to Casey Affleck? I don't and remember. She was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and she was like not having any of it because... But she presented it, right? She presented it, but she, she made was a like, comment, right? Well, no, she just presented it and didn't hug or kiss or even really look at him. So good for her. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, Richard Harris studied at Lambda and spent many years earning his revered reputation on the British stage before moving into films, earning an early Oscar nomination for This Sporting Life and starring in the film adaptation of the musical Camelot. 
He was also in Michelangelo Antonini's Red Desert and Hawaii. Later in his career, he was nominated for a second Best Actor Oscar for in the field for the field in 1990. Remember that the field, and he also starred in Unforgiven and Gladiator before earning the fandom of a new generation of viewers with his performance as Dumbledore in the Harry Potter film adaptations. His death in 2002, at the age of 72, meant that he only appeared in the first two, and he was actually replaced by Michael Gambon in the remaining six films. Harris was born on this day in Limerick, Ireland, in 1930. And speaking of Camelot, Amanda, mm. Julie Andrews spelt, spent her childhood singing in music halls before her stage roles in My Fair Lady and Camelot made her the toast of the London and later New York stages. Famously, she was not considered a big enough name to take the role of Eliza Doolittle in the film version of My Fair Lady, but that same year she was cast in the film role that would immortalize her forever as the lead in Disney's Mary Poppins, for which she won an Academy Award for Best Actress. And she actually thanked the makers of My Fair Lady because she wouldn't have been able to do Mary Poppins if she had gotten My Fair Lady. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. She assured her star status the next year with the film that was... At that point, the most successful of all time. Do you know what film that is, Amanda? It's got to be The Sound of Music. You got it, as Maria. And then she had later success with films directed by her husband, Blake Edwards, including SOB, 10, and my favorite, Victor Victoria, for which she received her third Best Actress Oscar nomination. She she, uh, renewed her popularity with young people in the very successful Princess Diaries films. Which I think she made only after Blake died. Oh, yeah, because yeah, she did all the movies with him and they they had a massive family they were raising. And then uh, and then after he passed, she got kind of back into it. And mm. that's when you, you saw her in The Princess Diaries. Wow. And, and although the tragedy of a botched vocal cord operation has put her singing days behind her, she continues to stay busy directing theater, writing children's books and providing the voices of animated characters, most recently as a sea creature in the film Aquaman. <laughs> She was born on this day in Surrey, England in 1935, and I got to see her on stage in New York Amazing. doing Victor Victoria. But she was fantastic. Does, she still sings, doesn't she? No? Not well. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. No, no, I don't know if she does. She probably does. I feel like she does. Anyway, Rupert's friends, Rupert Friends, sharp good looks, made him the ideal casting choice for Mr. Wickham in the 2005 adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, which he followed with performances in the films The Boy with the Striped Pajamas, Cherry with Michelle Pfeiffer and as Prince Albert in The Young Victoria, then gave what is probably his best-known performance as Peter Quinn on Five Seasons of Homeland. And he was born on this day in Oxfordshire, England in 1981. Zach Galifianakis. Galifianakis. And I I knew I was going to say it wrong. Just say it fast. Zach Galifianakis uh, toured the country doing stand-up and making the odd appearance in comedies before his role as Alan in the 2009 surprise hit the Hangover made him a comedy star, leading to roles in the film's two sequels and films Due Date, The Campaign, and Birdman, and on the shows Bored to Death and Baskets. You liked Baskets, right? I did, yeah. Fan- I liked Birdman a lot. Yeah, I know you loved that that film. Uh, me, not so much. Fans also love him in uh, the Between Two Ferns interviews and his appearances on the Tim and Eric Awesome show. And he was born on this day in Wilkesboro, North Carolina, 1969. Isai Morales was in the cast of the excellent Sean Penn prison drama, Bad Boys. Do you remember that one, Amanda? No. It was great. He later appeared as Richie's older brother, Bob, in La Bamba, and on the series American Family, NYPD Blue, 
Caprica, and Magic City. Currently, he's a recurring guest on How to Get Away with Murder, and he was born on this day in Brooklyn, New York, in 1962. Well, a personal friend of mine whose phone and email address I still have, Randy Quaid, made a significant impression from his film debut, appearing in Peter Bogdanovich's Oscar-winning The Last Picture Show and following it with appearances in What's Up, Doc?, Paper Moon, The Apprenticeships of Duddy Kravitz. I know his uh, his bio so well. He was also in The Last Detail, for which he was nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. He continued to play roles in high-profile films, including Midnight Express, Caddyshack 2, and Days of Thunder. Though, in the mid 2000s he was also in... Um, uh, the one where they blow up the White House. Or oh, yeah, that's Aliens right. blow up the yeah, White yeah. House, whatever um, that one is. Independence Day. Yeah. Um, but uh, here's the thing with Randy Quaid, and this is why I know him. In the mid-2000s, he became more famous, actually, for his off-screen adventures, including filing for bankruptcy in 2000, being arrested for skipping out on a $10,000 hotel bill in, in Santa Barbara. Uh, he was banned from Actors' Equity. It's quite a story. We don't have time to go to, into all of it. But he was doing a trial that never made it to Broadway for a show called Lone Star Love in 2007. Um, the cast filed a complaint with equity. The reason he was banned was because his wife sent a picture of her vagina to oh uh, everyone in the cast and the and to the director. The director made the complaint and then when they when equity called them, the reason they're banned is because they stormed the offices of equity and she threatened him with her high-heeled shoe and she filmed the whole thing. She films everything, and I know that because they filmed us when we were playing her, and I was filming her, uh, and let me explain that. So his and Evie's years on the run from what they perceived were enemies chasing them to do them harm uh, because they did believe in uh, a series of people that were killing Hollywood stars. Um, David Carradine, they believe, was murdered. Heath Ledger, they believe, was murdered, and many others. And they believe that what was happening was people were, were financing films with their names, murdering them, and then making money by collecting the insurance right. on their It's a conspiracy theory. On their, on their deaths, yeah. yeah. And they really, truly do believe that. Um, and that was all dramatized in the 2012 play Release the Stars, The Ballad of Randy and Evie Quaid, which was written by myself, Amanda Barker, and um, our dear friend of the show and my co-author and co-performer, Daniel Krolik. It premiered at the 2012 Toronto Fringe Festival. It continued on to do the 2014 Next Stage Festival and the 2016 Springworks Festival in Stratford, Ontario. And uh, Randy and Evie surprised us all when they came out of hiding, out of a year of hiding, actually, and showed up for the final night in our show's original run. There were 50. It was a tiny little place that sat 50 people, and there they sat with their big camera and their big presence, and it's a night I'll never forget. Randy Quaid was born on this day in Houston, Texas, in 1950. Happy birthday to him. Mm -hmm. Walter Matthau appeared in a variety of roles in his early career, including as a shady agent in Stanley Dolan's 1963 masterpiece, Charade. Mm. But his first pairing with Jack Lemmon in the comedy The Fortune Cookie, for which he won a Best Supporting Actor Oscar, established his curmudgingly acerbic personality we would come to love in the films to follow. He was directed by Lemon in the film Koch, and they co-starred in The Odd Couple, Grumpy and Grumpier Old Men, Out to Sea, and The Odd Couple 2. Plus, Matthau appeared in Earthquake, A New Leaf, Cactus Flower, The Sunshine Boys, and Hopscotch. His last film was the Diane Keaton adaptation of Delia Efron's Hanging Up. 
released the same year that he died in 2000 at the age of 79. He was born on this day in Manhattan in 1920. As a handsome young leading man, George Papard played the romantic lead in a film still beloved by moviegoers, which of course was Breakfast at Tiffany's, while also appearing in How the West Was Won and The Carpetbaggers, and later found success on television in the hit series The A-Team. He was born on this day in Detroit in 1928. He died in 1994 at the age of 65. Stephen Collins appeared in one of Billy Wilder's last films, Fedora, before graduating to more prominent roles with his appearance in the first Star Trek mu- movie, the comedy Loving Couples, and Brewster's Millions. Do you remember Brewster's Millions? I do. That's Richard so Pryor, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And John Candy, I believe. Then, was John Candy in it? No, I'm trying to I, think. I think so. Then later was on the show Sisters and the film The First Wives Club before playing the role which he would be best known as Reverend Eric Camden on 242 episodes of Seventh Heaven. Oh, wow. Later, he had roles on Private Practice and Devious Maids. He was born on this day in Des Moines, Iowa in 1947. Tom Bosley was a fixture on television in the mid-40s, including shows as big as Love American Style, but he was immortalized in television history when he took on the role of Howard Cunningham on 11 seasons of Happy Days, a role for which he was nominated for an Emmy Award. He later appeared on The Love Boat, Murder, She Wrote, and The Father, Dowling Mysteries, making his last film appearance in The Backup Plan with J-Lo, Jennifer Lopez, in 2010. It was actually the same year he died uh, at the age of 83. He was born on this day in Chicago in 1927. I saw him on Broadway in Beauty and the Beast. Did you? And how was he? He was fantastic. He played the father, Belle's father. Mariel Heller is fast becoming one of Hollywood's smartest and most talented filmmakers, debuting with her critically acclaimed The Diary of a Teenage Girl and going on to make Can You Ever Forgive Me and A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, both of which earned Oscar nominations for their cast members. She was born on this day in Marin County, California in 1979. Christian Borle is a fixture on the Broadway stage, having appeared in Thoroughly Modern Millie, Legally Blonde the Musical, and Mary Poppins. While television reviewers probably know him as Tom on the short-lived series Smash for the, his popular series of eBay commercials, you might know him as well. He appeared in episodes of The Good Wife and opposite his ex-wife Sutton Foster, everybody's Broadway uh, superstar, everyone loves her, on the series Younger. Oh yeah, remember? We watched Younger. We did? Yeah, it was not great. Okay. Should be called suckier. Anyway, he was born on this day in Pittsburgh in 1973. <laughs> Roxanne Mesquita made her debut in two high-profile French films, Marie Bay des Anges by Manuel, Manuel Pradal and The School of Flesh, co-starring Isabelle Hubert, then went on to star in a controversial film. It was called Fat Girl by Catherine Brelet. She worked with Brelet again in Sex's Comedy and The Last Mistress, but she later appeared on Gossip Girl, Greg Arakai's Kaboom, and Kiss of the Damned by Zan Cassavetes. She was born on this day in Marseille, France in 1981. Amanda James Earl Carter Jr. was born on this day in Plains, Georgia in 1924, and you might know him better as Jimmy Carter. Oh, Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Mm. He's an American politician philanthropist, and former farmer who served as the 39th president of the United States from 1977 to 1981. A member of the Democratic Party, he previously served as Georgia state governor, or senator rather, from 63 to 67. Since leaving the presidency, Carter has remained engaged in politics and social projects as a private citizen. In 2002, he was awarded the Nobel Prize for Peace for his work in co-founding the Carter Center. And Amanda... I bumped into him. Did you really? Yeah, did you not? I've never heard this story. How did that happen? Well, 
So we were at the Ford Center, mm-hmm. uh, which is another philanthropic place in New York City. Mm-hmm. And we were coming out, me and my friend. And as we were coming out, I noticed this limo sort of pulled right in front of the building. Mm-hmm. And these guys got out. And they had, you know, those things in their ear that had little curly Like Britney things. Spears' concerts? Yeah. And I was like, that's weird. Look at these guys with sunglasses. They look like Secret Service men, oh, that's is so what funny. I said to my friend. And and she, and she said, what? I said, look, don't they look like secret servicemen? And then they open the door. <gasps> and who walks out of the limo but Jimmy Carter and his wife, June? And I go, and I and I say this, I go, that's, that's, that's Jimmy Carter. And I said it loud enough that he turned and he waved to just the two of us. I love it. And I was walking I on it. air for the rest of the day. You know, he... Uh... He was a great man. Yeah, he certainly was. And yeah, I, is. I'd love to read his book. Uh, I just finished Melinda Gates's book, The Moment of Lift. Which do you I, recommend it? I do. I really recommend it. It's a fantastic book, and uh, I have a lot of respect for her and uh, for the work. She's, you know, you can say what you want about the Gateses, and I'm sure they're, they, well, they, they very readily admit they're not perfect people, but at least they're trying to do something good with with mm-hmm. their fortune, you know, and they really are. And she devotes her life to public service. Uh, in a huge way, and all of her money too. So anyway, um, but they're they're big fans of Jimmy Carter's, and uh, so they, she references his book a lot. And uh, I'd really love to read his book because I feel like we're kind of coming back to that. You know, uh, he he was in he was a left wing person um, that was followed up in a very with a very right wing time, right? right? So I, don't, I feel like he didn't really get his due in a way in the eighties as a kid in the eighties in the Reagan years. I feel like Jimmy Carter was a bit of a joke, and I didn't really understand. What he stood for, and uh, so I feel like uh, I feel like he, we need a resurgence. I mean, how old is he? My gosh, 1924. How is he still alive? Well, he's still alive, and he's doing well, Amanda. He must be a hundred. He's he's 96. Yeah. Wow. He's taking care of himself. He certainly is. And Amanda, I want to wish you a happy homemade cookie day. Oh well, thank you so much. And uh, actually, I have some homemade cookies in the oven right now. Oh, I think I'm gonna. They're oatmeal too. Yum. <laughs> <laughs>